All right, y'all. I am so sorry for the late uh, release of this episode. We recorded a 35-minute episode over Ghost in the Shell 2, the anime, and it was probably my favorite podcast that we ever recorded. Um, we all agreed with just about every point we made, and we didn't really like the movie too much. We had some thoughts like it should have been shorter. It should have not been marketed as a sequel. It should have just been like, hey, here's a chance to jump back into this world. should have been like 40 minutes long maybe at max. Um, the dialogue was terrible. Oh my God, it was terrible. But the visuals took a while, but we, we came around to really enjoy the visuals. Um, I would say the last act we really enjoyed. Um, but it was, it, we didn't like it very much as a whole. It was too, we, it was like a movie that thought it was smarter than it really was. Um, but man, it was a really fun podcast and I hate that you guys can't, can't hear it. Um, the recording that we recorded just came out so awful and it's on my fault. I don't know what happened, but just technology sucks sometimes. It was just like, wah, 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 wah. It was terrible. Anyways, we briefly talk about it here in this episode for like 30 seconds. Um, sorry about that, but <laughs> we, uh, we have some thoughts over the 2017 version. So here you guys go. In this adaptation of the 1995 anime film of the same name, Scarlett Johansson takes on the role of Major, who is the first of her kind, a human who is cyber-enhanced to be a perfect soldier devoted to stopping the world's most dangerous criminals. When terrorism reaches a new level that includes the ability to hack into people's minds and control them, Major is uniquely qualified to stop it. As she prepares to face a new enemy, she discovers that her life was stolen from her instead of saved. Now, she will stop at nothing to recover her past while punishing those who did this to her. This is Ghost in the Shell from 2017. Alright, so, we did not post our episode of, I guess, Ghost in the Shell 2, the the anime, because we had huge te- technical difficulties. It was unlistenable. Something happened. It was terrible. But I would like to just briefly spend like maybe 30 seconds to a minute kind of just going over what we kind of came to it sucks too because it was a a great 35 minute podcast and it was the only time that we agreed on every single thing each other said (laughs) it was crazy um i think what i remember is we we all agreed it should have been shorter and not marketed as a sequel just another chance to kind of like dive back into that world you said it was like an like an ova right is that what it's called yeah Yeah, they should have made it into an ova rather than a full movie Okay, Yorton, fix your fix your uh, your microphone there for me. It's a little low. Um, we all agreed the animation was good. We were hesitant at first, but we all ended up liking it. But we hated the dialogue so much. It's a film that makes art teachers excited and English teachers want to die. Um, when we started giving out awards, we were just like the beer that got me through it was Six Man stuff like that. But it really was the only podcast where all of us were like, "Yeah, everything you're saying, bro, I'm with you." It was kind of funny. Any last thoughts you want to share about that movie? Wow. The silence Um, says enough. It's all right. (laughs) All right, cool. Um, That's Ghost in the Shell 2. F it. We didn't like it, although we were surprised by the Rotten Tomatoes score, which is pretty high. Um, We we did like the animation on it. We'll give it that. We'll give it that. It was just, (laughs) God, the dialogue was so bad. The dialogue was horrendous. (sighs) Okay. So... Here we are. We're at the 2017 live-action adaptation of Ghost in the Shell. Okay, and 
there's a lot to talk about here, and I think a lot of it, like we, I don't know. I don't know. Let's just start with the good stuff. All right. So, Yorton, Jared, I'll start with you, Yorton. What did you like about this movie? Uh, they the visually wise, I felt like they did a lot of effort to make it look like the uh, the original anime and everything, and I feel like a lot of it felt like visually wise felt like it was the original anime, and I liked the uh, the visual cues of the city mm-hmm. of just like also the robot technology and stuff like that, and the equipment that they used in the cars. I thought all that they did a really good job on. Okay. Um, Jared? What would you like about it, man? Nothing. Oh, he's okay. That's the angle he's taking this episode. <laughs> okay. So you were not a fan of this movie at all? Um, I No, I did like uh, some of the visual cues. I was just being facetious. Uh, some of the visual cues... Uh, then the like 3D 3D billboards, those are really cool, especially because now those they're popping up all over China. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought it was really, you know, inside a couple years ahead of the game. And a lot of stuff is like uh, the Lotus cars were nice, nice touch. Um, but honestly, yeah, it, slim pickings for me. Uh, I think I'll agree with Yorton here. I kind of like, I, th- I think I like how it it brought the city from the anime to live action it kind of felt like it was a pretty great adaptation of that city oh no it's not it's not it just wasn't as gritty as i wanted it to be it was too i mean no because i mean like i don't even like that like comparison because like we gushed about like all of us had overwhelmingly positive things to say about the city in the Mm -hmm. anime version and just to say that this is even in the same stratosphere is doing like way too much work no man that's the city was nice on its own, but when you do the comparison game, you it makes it it makes this live action city that much weaker when you want to compare it to the anime. Yorton, thoughts? Uh, for my thoughts on it was the fact that yeah, it, it wasn't as good as the anime, but I could I really felt like visually wise they were really trying hard and trying to nail down the look, and that's what I liked about it. i like the effort that they put into it but okay that... yeah i agree with that point they tried i i agree <laughs> with yeah they tried they did a lot to try and like live up to it um but like in its own right it's a nice it's a good city but like then that the point when y'all made it it's a good when y'all try to compare the two i was like no then you want to back then that comparison bastardized the original city i i want to disagree a little bit there i want to say it did a good job portraying the city the problem is we didn't get enough of the city it felt like every scene took place in some room and there wasn't enough of living in this city for me and of course so even um so there are two parts i'm sorry i'm gonna jump into the bad there are two parts where like my favorite scene in the anime movie was the shootout on the water in the alley so they tried to they tried to do that scene like shot for shot, but it just did not feel anywhere near that. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like I'm out in the open. I'm actually here, and so that was like, oh man, come on! Like you just ruined the best scene in the movie for me because it felt like it was done on a closed set, not in a city. Um, 
And then the other scene is when they, uh, the airplane flew over mm-hmm. and we got to watch a little bit of the parade and they just had the music in the background. They did that for like 10 seconds and then back into a room. <laughs> so I do agree with what you're saying, Ray. It's just like there was a lot of like, hey, here goes the city. Oh, never mind. We're in a room now. And so, oh, hey, you remember this part from the movie? The about the city? Nope, nope. Now we're back in a room. We're back in a room. So this kind of brings... So you made a good point, and it kind of ties in to me disagreeing with what Yorton said, how the director really tried to capture the feel of, of the original. But my thing is, like, if you're going to adapt something, you've got to put your own flair to it, because otherwise we could just go back to the original. You know, and I feel like the director didn't put his stamp on this movie. It felt like anyone could have directed this movie. You know, what's up? Well, here's the thing. You you put some words in my mouth there. I didn't say the director. I was mainly talking about the art team. Okay. On it. Okay. Fair enough. Because I, and I'll get into my details what I don't like about it. Yeah, yeah. With the director. But to what Jared was saying, you know, it gives you like, or I guess we both agreed, it gives you some of the city and moves on. But you were upset that. It, it recreated some of the scenes, but they weren't as good. And that's kind of my point. It's like, don't recreate these scenes. If you're going to recreate them, don't make it a one-for-one. One. Put your own stamp on it. Like, surprise the audience. Because we know what's going to happen. We saw the anime, so why not do something a little bit different and surprise us, you know? And it's like... um, Sorry, I'm going to compare the two pet cemeteries, the original and then the remake that just came out. Um, so... I obviously the original is unmatched. The the remake was not nowhere near as good. What are we talking um, about? What movie? Uh, Pet Cemetery. Okay. But in the remake, the iconic scenes from the first movie, they were like, oh no, this is the iconic scene where the kid pops out and like slips the guy's ankle, or this is the kid where, you know, the little boy comes back and lives. Mm-hmm. Um, after being buried, but like every time they got to an iconic scene, they remember from the original, he flipped the script and did something different. Uh, he switched up the format, and so, like, I get it. If you want to do a shot for shot remake, you got to do a shot for shot remake and actually live up to the movie that you're coming from. Or if you're going to do a remake and you want, like, oh, hey, here goes a shot that we did in the original, mm-hmm. never mind, I'm putting my own spin on it. So that's why I agree with you, Ray, on that point. Like yeah. that director put his own spin on it, but essentially it just wasn't a good movie because of the dialogue and things like that, which made it bad. But it was good that he put his own spin from those iconic scenes that we all remember. It felt like he he dabbled in trying to put his own spin on it, but he didn't really fully commit. Well, um, here's the thing with that. Let, let's say with the garbage men team, I want to use this as an example. He did put his own spin on it, yeah. and it's something that where I see is very minor, but I find hugely important and a big part. Of I have the issue with this with this movie is the fact when the guys get hacked, they act like robotic. Yeah. Rather than where in the anime, when they're hacked, they couldn't tell that they were. Uh, mm-hmm. Hacked and they looked completely or- ordinary. You thought nothing was wrong with them. So he put his own spin, but he fucked up. Like he made the wrong decision and and well, altering. It. It, it's not that it necessarily made the wrong decision, but it really go. It's more the fact it goes away from the spirit of what I feel like Ghost in the Shell itself is about, and that's the that's the problem I have with it. Where 
Yeah. I I can't say if it's a bad direction to go, but it's just it it sort of to me just changes everything I liked about the original Ghost of the Shell. It's definitely a more simplified version of the anime. If that makes sense. Like it's just simpler to follow. Um I think he avoided some of the some of the big nuance parts of the of the original. Um wow, well, okay. Well that was the what we liked section. I will say this. I thought the opening scene was pretty cool. I was into it. Where she jumps off the building and breaks through the glass and those like robotic ladies are like turning to spy I don't even know. That I think I saw on YouTube that was like straight from the T a TV show or one of the animes or something. Yorton, could you help me out? Uh it's a bit of a opening it's a mix between the actual original movie and the opening of season one on the second gig. Uh, yeah, because that table scene was not in the too. movie. Correct. So it must have been. And that, that's more in the anime series. So they, they they blend the two throughout here. And uh, we'll, we'll get it to when we talk some more characters. Because there's one character I will go probably go on a tangent on <laughs> uh, that was in the anime series, uh, but wasn't in the movie, of uh, the original movie. So, okay. Let's just talk about stuff that maybe rubbed us the wrong way. Um, I just want to say for the record, I enjoyed the movie. Um, but there's a lot of stuff. I was like, man, th- this could have been so much better. Um, do we agree that the casting? Okay. Let's just have, okay. Before we go into the casting, let's have our whitewashing conversation right now. Okay. Um, Jared, you are not cool with Scarlett Johansson in this role correct yes okay explain your case i mean don't make me out to be some kind of some kind of villain here like you did last time no i mean like the the thing about it is uh overall with whitewashing it's just there's a difference between adaptations and remakes uh this is a this is not an adaptation this is a remake of an anime uh so adaptations are fine and different because you're just adapting like a screenplay or material, so you have a little bit of things to like play with. Um, but then when you're doing a remake, uh, which this movie is, I consider it a remake, you got to stay like true to life um, from your actual source material. And this movie did not. They had a white woman playing someone who uh, of Asian background. The city is based on uh, a cyberpunk Asian Hong Kong. Uh, sorry for being redundant, the cyberpunk Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, there were Asian actors all throughout the anime movie. Um, so it's safe to assume that Bato and the major are Asian as well. You can't really see Bato's eyes, but you could tell by his uh, hair and especially the major's hair, um, you know, being long, stringy, black. Mm-hmm. Um, they're Asian characters. But then when we get to this American remake of the movie it's a white woman playing and i know uh we spoke briefly on the last episode at the end uh, briefly uh, probably about like five minutes at the end we spoke about it um that will never hear the light of day now um it was a good topic we spoke about it and i understand where you're coming from in terms of a profit um they want okay so studios hire uh, oh, well, like the white prophet of the movie. I was to, thinking like Jesus prophet. Yeah, yeah white actors to play <laughs> characters of different 
um, backgrounds because they want to make like a higher profit for those films because they don't think that particular character or particular actors or actresses will do well in those positions. And this movie was obviously one of those that that happened because they there are plenty of Asian actresses out there that could have played the major, but they were just like, well, we want to you know make this star. for yeah. or or adapt it for like American audiences. But again, you're not making adaptation. You're doing a remake, especially when we watch the movie we talked about even earlier, they were doing like shot for shot. So mm-hmm. that that's a remake. That's not an adaptation. So why not have an Asian character play an, or an Asian actress play an Asian character? Like what, what are we doing here? So, so I want to, I want to make, let me see. I'm trying to put it into words here. Okay. So Scarlett Johansson's character major, I hear an echo by the way, is a shell. She's she's not a human body, and they can make these shells in, in the in the world of the movie look like anything they want. So I guess it makes sense there in that world. My, I'm not saying. And now when, it, when you talked about the profit of the movie, and they wanted a star there, that's what I was saying earlier. I'm not defending it, but I am saying I understand it. They wanted a. They needed a movie star because they're putting a lot of money into this movie. They needed someone to sell it. I get it, and I'm kind of I'm okay with that. What I'm not, I, it, it becomes hard to defend when her supporting actors and actresses are all white too. You know, like that's when I was like, okay, this is this is not good. Well, like I could defend the Scarlett the, Johansson. The only supporting actor well, of Asia, Sector Nine Asia. was uh, was Bato. But uh, but the rest of the no, well, they were like, all. The, oh, I'm talking about Section Nine in particular. But uh, you got Coos too, who's also who Coos. Yeah, they called him. I guess he's the puppet master. I don't know. He, they don't call him the puppet master in this. But no, he is Coos. Coos. He's one of the characters I'm, I'll go on in a little bit about. The three main characters his- in this are white. That's what I'm saying. And yeah, that no, it's like I, I yeah, can't the, the CEO one I don't get like. The CEO, what? Yeah. The, the CEO guy. Oh, the yeah. He was white, too. Yeah, I forgot about that guy. So, I mean, the lo- the biggest issue here, it's just like in this movie, yeah, um, you can find some way to justify it. And even the uh, anime director was okay with it. Um, but it's representative of a larger issue that's yes. plaguing Hollywood. Um, so... That's why, like, the Asian director was like, I don't see a big deal about it, but it's just, like, us in America, like, we do see a big deal because this is prevalent. This is always happening. And in this movie where we could have, um, like, an Asian movie star, like, mm-hmm. just thrive in this role. So, I mean, like, this was back in 2017, but, like, we see so many good Asian actresses that are out there. Um and they just don't get their shine. They don't get their due. And it's just like, this is a perfect catalyst for them. Um, you know, I mean, one of the most promising uh, Asian actresses is Aquafina at the moment. And she, like, she had a movie that came out last year called The Farewell. It was either last year or two years ago. She was amazing in that movie. And I'm like, oh, my God, this lady just started making, like, she got her start making videos on YouTube. Um, I mean, she has her own issues, but that's not here nor there. But it's just like, well, why couldn't she have done this? 
Um, and now she's like come out of the shell and like she's one of the top flight actresses. I actually had um, so- one of the best movies. Um, one of the best Asian actors, sorry. And then even like one of the best, like highest rated movies to come out in the last two years was Crazy Rich Asians, all Asian cast. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's just like things like this. It always happens. And it's like super frustrating because let these people get their shine. Let them do that. You don't always need a white woman or a white man to come in and make your movie. They're so like one of the best actors that we have out now is, you know, Idris Elba, I, in the middle of watching Sound of Metal with Riz Ahmed, he is, I don't Oh, my God. By the way, is. can I just say that I have created uh, a category called Recasting Couch, and you just listed two people that are on my potential recasting of certain characters. And Idris Elba <laughs> and Riz Ahmed. Like, I was like, holy, is he yeah. reading my notes right now? So no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like you have these amazing actors and actresses out of color, and it's just like not even like. I mean, obviously, black people need to get their shine as well. But I'm just saying, like, not even that. Just like from different nationalities all over the world, it's there's a plethora of great actors and actresses, and that's why it just kills me because a movie that got this budget, got this mm-hmm. much marketing behind, got this much shine. We get our top build actress to be a white woman, and that's what kills me. So we're gonna we're gonna end our our discussion there. I just want to make one point real quick, and I agree with everything you just said. Um, I think when it comes, I think I'm just very simple. It's like if the character is a machine, you could put anyone there. But because if like if in the anime she was just a Japanese woman, I'm like, okay, this is fucked up. You can't make her. Scarlett Johansson, but in the world she's a machine. So I, I mean, that's probably faulty logic on my part. But I can't defend everyone else that was white in this movie. I was like, okay, these are roles that should have gone to some really talented Asian actors, and they just didn't do that. And they brought actors. I'll, I'll be honest, weren't that good. Like, that I don't know. Like, you could have found anybody better. So, um, y'all just want to go ahead and do the recasting couch right now. Oh, I'm down. Well, hold on. Let's really... talk about one more thing, and then we'll, then we'll talk about. Let's talk. Okay, so we're gonna talk about Scarlett Johansson's career real quick at this point in her in her in her career. Then we're gonna talk about just how we thought the betrayals of certain characters were done, and then we'll go into the recasting. Okay. So I would say Johansson, Scarlett Johansson. She's she's kind of known. She's just just. Hot girl kind of known. Well, no, no. In the past, she's known. kind of known, and then she gets Iron Man two, and her career just kind of takes off at that point, right? Because then she's in the Avengers, and then she it kind of peaks around Civil War, and she maintains that peak. Not, I mean, Winter Soldier, and she maintains that peak for a while. Now she's doing movies that she wants to do. She's doing indie art house movies. She's doing Lucy. She's doing this. She can kind of pick and choose what she wants to do. And I would say this is right in the bubble. It's 2017, so this is this is this is her peak right now where she's at. Um, I liked her in this movie. I know I know there's a whitewashing issue, but I think she's the best part of this movie. To be honest with you, um, if you can ignore the 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 race issue, I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, I mean, like to say. I, okay, to say she's at her peak now, I understand, but like, I mean, you just kind of glossed over like 
some of the earlier movies you did. Um, so oh, yeah, I definitely. At, I, I just kind of want to talk like, about in this moment. 2003 Let's go back. Lost in Translation is arguably like you can make a case that that's her best movie. You, well, you will you to me that that's the one where I felt like she got known more than anything. Yeah, like, because she then got she followed, was Lost in Translation. Because then she followed up with the Michael Bay movie in twenty in 2005 the with the island throwing you and McGregor. Like come, like yeah, the island. And then 2006. Another argument you can say is her best like, movie, The Prestige. Yeah. So, well, I don't know. okay, like, hold I, up. I understand what you're saying. Best Ray, movies, but, but not best performances. And she's not, mean, not no, saying she's like, bad. Even, and no, I'm talking even, about where you where you were making the argument where she was known for and everything. And yeah, I'm like, no, I already. I mean, even her best performance is probably still in Lost in Translation. Like yeah. her, probably your best really movie good, and best performance. I don't know. Um, and that's back in 2003. So Yorton, um, Yorton, hold on, Yorton. Are you telling me she could have had any choice of movie that she wanted after Lost in Translation? No, I'm saying that's where she got known when she got her public figure and everything. Oh yeah, I agree. But she blew up into this woman who I mean, could take any role she wanted, and I after like I, I, think, too I, I still think that's Lost in Translation. No way, dude. She couldn't do this movie today, or she couldn't do this movie after Lost in Translation. They wouldn't even look at her. I mean. She was in the Michael Bay film like in two years later. Yeah. Michael Bay hires and, young, hot women for movies. Look at all his movies. That's all he does is he hires close to underage girls to be hot in his movies. That's my take. Megan Fox. I mean, I mean okay, she Megan your Fox favorite was your favorite uh director there with the prestige with Christopher Nolan. Yeah, so I'm just saying, like there. she was known. And she was out there. And she like, was a very I, small role in that movie. It wasn't like she was leading that movie. No, she was a very crucial role in that movie. But she was a very small role in that movie, too. She With her and Rebecca Ferguson. All her dialogue could have been on one page. That's what I'm saying. And I love that movie. But I'm saying, like, as a star, how do you, I don't understand the, the problem. As a star, she could choose anything and be the lead in any movie after she gets her Marvel role is kind of what I'm saying. There's no way she gets this role after any of those movies. We could disagree. It's fine. Yeah. I'm um, just going to have it. I just, it blows my mind, but it's, it's fine. We could disagree. Um, let's talk about, because I know, Yorton, you wanted to talk about some of the character portrayals from the anime. Um, we talked about Major enough. Let's talk about, is it Batu? Bato? I always get it wrong. Bato? Bato? Bato. Yorton? Yes. Let's talk about okay. Bato. Let's go. He, this, this is one of the things that drove me absolutely crazy with with the movie. Uh, maybe just because me loving the series so much and everything. Is the fact that, and I'm going to go back and forth with the Major and Bato. Because those two have always been like the key primary characters with section nine and everything and the fact that they're both fully cyber enhanced and everything the only difference between the two they have like different skill sets and mm -hmm. so i don't know what i really bugged me about this movie is the fact that the major is shown to be like oh she is super special she is the first fully cybernetic person body da and she's only been in with uh, fully cybernetic for a year, mm -hmm. and in with Section Nine, where I felt like that took away a lot from who she is because she has like a long history before she becomes Section Nine of being a top-notch hacker 
and close arms uh, specialists fighting. And and then with Bato, like, I just thought it was weird how they were like, oh, well, we can't make, we're going to make him pretty much human and then we'll give him the cyborg eyes later. And sort of nixed the importance of his background and how he plays in with Section 9. I, yeah, I hated that. <laughs> um, one, the, so I watched this movie twice um, in two weeks because the first time I watched it, I it was very largely forgettable, so I had to watch it again last night. Yeah. And is. just as soon as he pops up with the regular eyes, I got mad all over again. I was like, this is... Yeah. And so when you first see him with because he has normal human eyes, I'm like, I'm gonna burn this movie to the ground. <laughs> I was pretty upset with that too, Jordan. Um, I also, okay, here's a <laughs> here's a weird complaint from me. I I don't like when movies try to adapt crazy hair from anime or comics, and it looks ridiculous. And his hair looked Buddy, absolutely you ridiculous. Didn't like, hold up, hold up. You didn't like Justin Chatwin's hair in Dragon Ball Evolution? <laughs> Prime example. Another example <laughs> is Wolverine <laughs> in the first couple X-Men movies. I'm going I'm to show you an image real quick. They tried so hard to get that weird pointy hair that he had that it looked, I just couldn't stop staring at it. Like, why would you do this to the man? So, look at this. Look at this. Look how much gel is working right there. It's ridiculous. That just doesn't look like any man would wake up in the mirror in the morning, look in the mirror and go, that's how I want to style my hair. Ah, uh, yes. That's a great idea. That's there. what I want. And they, they, they adjusted it for the future movies. But I felt like they tried way too hard in this movie to to get the hair right. Now, I will say, it worked for... Their boss, yeah, I kind of like it didn't bug bug me there, um, but yeah, his eyes was another point of contention for me as well. I was like, what are we doing here? And then when he gets, and yeah, and but when he the gets other the part eyes, they don't even look good. Oh, sorry. When he gets the machine eyes, they don't even look that good. Oh no, they look awful. Look- I was just saying another part that I hated. I like they because the part that I really enjoyed about the first movie was the internal conflict between Section Nine and Section Six. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got to see like corruption within the city, and so like you got the greediness of the city even between the warring police factions in the city, and so like these guys are here to serve and protect, but they're also at war with each other, and so you don't get that in this movie, so it takes away from just the the internal conflict per se. So yeah, I didn't like that they replaced Section Six. Yeah. Um, what's so? I'm guessing with the hair guy, the hair thing is you're pretty much to- talking about Togas, so then the uh, the inspector dude who has the mohawk, or not the mohawk, the uh, the mullet. <laughs> um, I actually didn't even remember. I don't even remember seeing him in the movie. To be honest with oh, you, okay. he was in the second movie, right? The anime was he was in this movie. He was in both movies. Oh yeah. God, I don't, I have no memory. Um. The he's head- the guy. He's the one guy who was uh, pretty much all human in the anime, and they hired they put him in on the team because they still needed a a good cop who mm. was pretty much non cybernetic. Well, one of the characters that I thought they did right in this movie was the head of Section Nine. 
the uh, the the only Asian guy in Section Nine, I guess. Um, no, the their well, boss. Uh, I'm just joking. I'm being. You, I'm, I'm being. Well, because uh, Saito, they had Saito, the sniper dude with the uh, yeah the eye patch, and then uh, Togusa. Is that his name? The head of Section Nine. Who's the head of Section Nine? Yorton. What's his name? Oh, I always forget. I always always call him old man because everyone yeah. refers to him as old man. There he is. He's old man. I I liked him a lot in this movie. He kind of you could see him kind of wear the weight of decisions and stuff. And I like that when he he had his moment to shine when he was in the car and he was getting shot at and stuff. Did you guys like? I guess the actor, the character portrayal there. The, what bugged me about was the fact that he spoke Japanese in the movie where everyone else is speaking English. And that bugged mm. me. And I think that sort of going back to like, look, this is one guy they knew they had to go Asian. But I guess they just couldn't find uh, did they couldn't find like an uh, English speaking right. old Asian man. Like yeah, because I feel like that was the whole reason. Wh- that was the only reason why you would still have him talking in Japanese and everyone else in English. And that to me just took me out. And I was like, this is odd. Jared, where were you on this, yeah. this casting? That's another issue, uh, Jordan, that I hate about um, American movies where they have uh, one person speak in uh, like their native tongue or a different tongue, and then everyone else around them knows what they're saying, but then they go back and speak English to everyone. Then you just have that one outlying character, and it's just like, this isn't right. Like, if it, it wouldn't if, bug me if, if it was the fact that, like, oh, that's just how the character normally is. But the fact that everyone in that they're already in Japan, and we're already getting the translation in English, essentially. But this, suppose, yeah, just that just bugs me when it, they did it that route. Um. Okay, let's talk about, I guess, Puppet Master, but they don't even call him the Puppet Master in this movie. His name is Kuz, which I think is arguably the worst casting in this entire movie. Yorton, dude, they, they butchered K- Kuzo. <laughs> because, dude, and they... Because he's the main guy in the uh, the second season of Ghost in the Shell. And the guy is like the most charismatic. Like, everyone wants to follow him. Mm-hmm. And then they, we get this guy who's like a ma- malfunctioning cyborg. And I'm like, well, why? He, he, he is fully cybernetic, but he is... He, he makes everyone want to join basically his big... Uh, rebellion group to overthrow the government in the second season well you're speaking about stuff we don't know about (laughs) yeah and so that's why when i saw him and what they did to him i'm like dude you you just murdered the character it's just like oh well even if you're just adapting it from the anime just i mean the movie the original 1995 movie it's not even a good adaptation I, i just i don't think i've enjoyed a role that michael pitt has played in Ever. I, I haven't seen many, but the movies I have seen, I'm like, Ugh, this, I don't like this guy. He, he creeps me out. Jared, where are you at? Well, I feel like it was acting-wise, it's all the director's point on, on him. I can't blame him for the direction they took just because it's just such a bizarre, That's different true. take on it. Jared? No, and I mean, it's what, it's what I went back to saying earlier. It's just like he went for a remake, but then he wants to call it an adaptation, but it's not because you didn't put your own spin on it. You made a remake mm-hmm. and you ruined it. Because, um, I mean, like, 
Kuze could have, on his own right, been a good villain, but he tried to make him like the Puppet Master as well, which the Puppet Master is a good, not even our, like, obviously gets into moral ambiguity, like, not even a real quote unquote villain. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I don't, I don't know what he was trying to do. Yeah. I don't know. Why, why didn't they just. I, I the think they knew the how popular the fan base wide Kuzo. And I feel like they put him in just to make people excited for the movie. But they didn't know how to handle him with this storyline. That's the flaw of the X-Men movies. They're like, hey, Colossus is in this movie and he says one line and doesn't show up again. Bishop's in Days of Future Past. Okay, here's 30 seconds of him and he's gone. It's like, what are we doing here? So I feel like it's the same issue. All right, let's have some fun here. Let's go to the recasting couch. Okay. I have... A list of directors off the top of my head when I made this list that I thought would have done a way better job. And I want you to just, if you have one of mine, feel free to add them. But, okay, let's just list them all. Ryan Coogler. I know it's not his typical type of movie, but he would he would slay this movie. Alex Garland, who is known for these sci-fi movies. Um... He did 28, I think he wrote the 28 days later, 20, 28 weeks later. He did, um, Jared, you you could help me here. The Natalie Portman movie recently with Oscar Isaac. Uh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. He wrote 20, he wrote the Sunshine movie too, that Denny Boyle directed. But he directed, what's that movie called? Oh my God. I'll let you look it up. Sorry. Um, Denis Villeneuve, whatever his name is. It's the guy who's doing Doom. The guy who did Blade Runner 2049. The guy who... No, that's who I was going to say. Um, he was number one on my list as soon as you said, cast a new director. Yeah. And I was just like, Villeneuve. Villeneuve. <laughs> Phil is going to yell at us. Um, when he was <laughs> He's one of my so favorite new directors. Is, I'm so excited for he, Dune. Uh, yeah, he, uh, Phil is going to yell at us because we... Butchered his name, and that's one of his favorite directors. Well, I'm with <laughs> Phil, man. He would have been great, but I feel like this is too close to 2049, and he wouldn't have done it. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you're right on that, but it's just like, hey, man, we're recasting. I'm doing this myself. An obvious pick that is sounds trendy, but Christopher Nolan, I felt like, has a style that could have fit this. Danny Boyle is my choice. I would love to see Danny Boyle direct this. John Favreau. Carrie Fukunaga, who's he's directing the new Bond movie, and James Mangold, the guy who did Logan and you know a couple Western. He's just a great director. I don't know. Out of this list, I guess you pick Denis Villeneuve, Jared. Yes. Yeah, Jordan. You want to add one, or you want to like who do you think would be the best for this? Oh. I don't know. I I was going through my head, so I'm sorry, Ray. I wasn't listening that much to it because I was going through my head of like who would be an interesting choice that well, listen, maybe get it. It's a bit different. We got Ryan Coogler, Alex Garland, Denis Danny Boyle, Christopher Nolan, John Favreau, Carrie Fukunaga, and James Mangold. I don't know. I it's here's the problem that I have on it. Is the fact that the story is a very Japanese story, and I'm trying, so I want to try to keep that flavor. 
And I felt like when they moved it to having an American director, you'd lose the feeling of it. Sort of like when we talked about the importance where before it was the uh, bureaucracy that was the main villain. Mm -hmm. Well, this movie has it as the CEO of a big evil corporation. So I was trying to go more the route of maybe like on a Japanese or another Asian director. Just sort of keep it that film. I know like one. Um, Who are you thinking? The one, because honestly, I was because I was going through some lists and everything, and I thought even though he made one movie that I'm like nope, 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 with the the Hulk, but Ang Lee because he has done hmm. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, that's true, and he's done Life is Pie and Brokeback Mountain. So I that's think Denis pick. would be, I think Denis would be really good because, excuse me, all of his films like focus on like. Uh, like they're just like everything feels like wide pan. Like he films with like the longest camera known to man, mm-hmm. like with the widest screen. So I think he would do a great job, like focusing on the city. And we all talked about that was one of our biggest gripes that we missed out on the city as well. But I think his direction style would actually be able to focus on the city. And that's and that's sort of why I also went with uh, Ang Lee because of. Uh, Crouch of Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Life of Pi, where half the oh, love for that movie yes. is Life just the Pi, sceneries definitely. and everything. Yep, yeah. I'm with you on that one. Life of Pi was beautiful. That's film. a great choice, Orton. So my biggest complaint was the direction was there was no direction. It just felt like they were shooting scenes, and you couldn't really tell the director put a stamp on it. But if you put Ang Lee there, he I feel like he's one of those directors who, who does... You could, I don't know. He has a style, like Jared said, he, the way he films and stuff. So I think it actually would work for this movie. And he's a guy that's worked in Hollywood enough where he has enough say so to keep his vision that he wants. Yeah. Hey. Okay. So I'm talking about like we're not even doing this movie as a remake. We're actually going to do an adaptation of it, but a western adaptation, and we bring in Taylor Sheridan. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so we get hell or high water. But Ghost in the Shell style. So basically, it's the reverse version of the Seven Samurais and the uh, and the Seven um, Gunmen. Yeah, seven, yeah. Magnificent so Seven. Yes. Yes. seven. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yes. I'm. A, I want that. I want that in my life. <laughs> so let's let's pick a director. We let's just go with Ang Lee. We're all cool with that. Yep, I'm with that too. All right, so let's move on to Scarlett Johansson. Let, let's switch her out. Who? I thought she did great, but if we want to be as authentic as possible, I came up with two actresses who I thought could do a really good job in the lead role. One is Gemma Chan, and I'm going to show Yorton a photo. Oh, no. That's that's who I'm looking at right now on my Wikipedia. <laughs> Gemma Chan played yes. a blue lady in Captain Marvel, very forgettable role, but she's also the lead in Eternals coming up, and she's strikingly beautiful. She's a fantastic actress. Um, she's my pick. And the second option I have is um, Karen Fukuhara, who she was in The Boys. She's kind of like the crazy girl they capture in The Boys. Um, but let's be real. Gimme Chan, I think, is a choice here. Yeah, no, that's my pick. That's exactly who I was <laughs> going to say. All right. Me and Jared are on the same wavelength right now. Yorton, you okay with this? I character? might, I might want to take the uh, the boys one because I feel like that would be a different that would be more of the um, version of her I could see from the OVA ones of the major 
And I could see that being an interesting pick. Cool, or... cool. You're outvoted. We're going to give a chance. <laughs> yeah, that's no, fine. You're, you're but I like the the fact that I'm like, I was just coming up in my head when you said that one. I was like, oh, I could see that being a, di- a little bit of a different route for the major, but one that I also like. So let's look at, let's look at Batu. Okay. Okay. Idris Elba. He, I have him. <laughs> I thought he'd be great. I mean, granted, because of the size of Bato. Yes. And that was the other thing that bugged me. Because it's like how small Bato. They had to clothe him up a lot to make him look bigger. I'm like, dude, Bato needs to be the size of a refrigerator. What are you doing here? Hey, is my sound working? Yeah, your sound's okay, working. Okay, a, mo- a note just came up and said it's not working. Um, I know these two next these next two people are white, but I have Joel Kinnaman. He's from... Um, Suicide Squad, he's from Altered Carbon, he's the main character there, um, and Lee of Shriver. I don't think I would go with them, but they have the vibe of Bateau, and I don't think the character, the guy we got, have that vibe. I'm, I'm, I'm going with Idris Elba, or Idris Elba, whatever. Jared, do you have any suggestions you want to put up here? Um, uh, thinking. Uh, hold on a second. Mm. Oh, Jordan, do you have anybody? Oh, I'm thinking. I can't think of any. Just because Bato's just like a hard guy to pick up and get right, I feel like. that I, I can't. It's, no one's coming to my mind. I don't have a encyclopedia <laughs> brain on this enough to Fair enough. think of that. Um, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. Okay. We're um... Who is that? Who is that? Um, oh my gosh! I, I'm blinking on his name. What's Who's the show? my guy? From? Um, oh, hold on. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Well, we're gonna move on to the coos slash puppet master. I don't want to do that yet until we. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Um, somebody filling downtime. I'm um, almost there. I'm almost there. Hey, y'all. That's my downtime. Oh, was not Rick Yoon. There we go. I Yoon. Who? Rick Yoon. Let me look it up. I'm not as familiar. We talked about him because we reviewed. Uh, he was in Zao and Die Another Day. Uh no, not a fan. You know what? All right. Well, that's I mean, my last hey, episode. Yeah. He, I mean, he's the only Asian guy on this list so maybe he wins if we're being authentic <laughs> to the movie um i just don't know enough i haven't seen him really in anything so i don't know um let's talk about coos and the puppet master okay because they kind of blended those two characters together i'm going with riz ahmed who you know as the bad guy from venom he's a great actor who's great in other stuff i hate that that's what he's most known for um steven yoon from Walking Dead. And my choice is Dave Patel. So, I don't know. Who do you guys want to put up there? Do you have any other suggestions? Oh, man. I cannot wait for Green... Uh, what is that? That green looks night? gnarly, dude. The Green Knight. Oh, my God. I know God. nothing about it, but it looks gnarly. I watched the first trailer, and then I said, I'm not going to watch any more trailer. I just want to go straight into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, yeah... Dev Patel, just love him. So I'll just have to go with you on that one. Jordan? You know what? I just thought about this because uh, I was looking like, Riz Ahmed, why does he sound so, so popular? 
he's one of the main guys in uh, Rogue One. And I'm like, duh, yes. why didn't I think of that? And so then that had me thinking of maybe get... Brandon, he doesn't have the height on it, but he does betray him. I'm going to go with another uh, Rogue One with uh, Wing Yang on it. Is that the blonde guy? He's the guy... He's the guy that was holding the big gun. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's, the, that's the worst damn Star Wars movie ever. <laughs> oh, okay. Dude, you're no, on your own there. Just be quiet there. No, nope, nope, nope. Everybody nope, cancel nope. Jared. Yeah. That's the worst damn movie Dude, that's my ever. favorite one other than the original tri- trilogies we're doing ranking. I think I'm with you. I mean, it's cool that you have four. <laughs> All right. Days. Let's not get sidetracked. No, I, I love that one. Um, But I think we created a better movie here, y'all. <laughs> I think we just made a better movie. But I just, but like, I like that though. When Rogue One popped in my head, I'm like, dude, that's where Bato is right there. <laughs> um, okay, let's go over notes before we go into our category. Um, I like the city, like I said earlier, but I wish it was dirtier and we got more of it. Um, I wish the fight scenes they could have been better. They were not very good. They were just very run of the mill. I don't know. I just I wasn't blown away by the fight scenes, um, and I think I talked about everything else. Any, any notes you guys want to go over before we we move on to the categories? No, I think we've already said what needed to be said. All right, let's go to best scene here. I got the opening action scene in the conference room with the robot ladies. I have the street fight with the garbage men. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, meeting with Coos for the first time. And then Section 9 employees getting burned. Not physically burned, but like they've been outed, right? And they're being hunted down. And that whole scene where they kind of have to like come together and work, I thought was really cool. Um, any other scenes, Yorton, you want to throw on there? I think that's what really upsets me. Even though like there was like scenery-wise, I like the look of a lot of things. <laughs> It, nothing stands out for me to being like, oh, yes, that's a rememberable scene. So I'm not really going to go with anything, to be quite frankly. Jared? No. All right. Well, what's your pick? Any any out of any of these? Uh, what was your nothing. favorite? Nothing? Nothing, dude. <laughs> wow. I'm going with, uh, I'm going with the, the opening scene because it showed a lot of promise. And then the rest of it kind of let me down a little bit. Well, no, because it's still not even as good as the drop in the... Like, that's what I'm just saying. He went so hard for a remake, but he failed to live up at every big point. And I feel like the beginning sequence, while good in its own right in this movie, but he tried to go, like, almost shot for shot from the anime, and it just was not there. Let's move on to best line. I don't have one. Anybody? Nope. All right, MVP, Yorton, you don't have a best line either, right? No, I don't have a best <laughs> We have to pick a winner here. MVP, I know uh, it's not the best choice, but I thought Scarlett did a good job. And if you, I don't think the whitewashing was her fault, but I thought she did the best job. I don't know who else to pick, to be honest with you. I, I'm going to go with the art team. I, I, I enjoyed okay. the art team on this, even though it... it I felt like it didn't it didn't work as well as the original or anything. I, I felt like the the art team tried and really worked really hard on trying to have the look of it. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't well executed. Jared, 
Uh, I'm just going to go with LVP, uh, Rupert Sanders, or the director. Okay. Um, LVP? Least valuable player. Oh, my God. Okay, it took me a second here. I was like, oh, yeah. Um, Six-man award? I don't really know. We could skip this. Anything you want to shout out? Nope. All right. We already fixed the movie. <laughs> I do. I have a couple questions here. So, Yorton. Or actually, I will shout out Steven Spielberg because he was a key player in securing the rights to this, um, to a live action film. Even though this sucked, but shout he's, out to uh, Spielberg. He's fallen for off this lately, man. I feel like he's fallen off lately. He, uh, I think he's just in it for the money, not the art anymore. I mean, like, that's clearly why I like. He got credited in this movie because him and Avi Arad are the two Oof. that secured the rights to this film. If you don't know who Avi Arad is, he's the guy who keeps ruining Spider-Man movies. So um, every bad decision in a Spider-Man movie is his, and he has no control in the new in the MCU movies over with Spider-Man. So he's, he's been outed. Um, all right, so Yorton. Does the show dive into the backstory like this movie does? Because the original movie didn't really dive into her backstory. No, the all right. So the backstory is uh, with these two is the fact that they both, uh, when they're six years old, get into a car or not a car crash, an airplane crash, and basically everyone else, uh, their families and everyone die. You know, it's just Coos and the major. So they're orphans. Uh, left. Uh. Well, yeah, they're they're orphans, but it's more that they uh, that they're they go through full cybernetics from because their bodies are all mangled because the only oh, thing yeah. left is their brains. Except for Coos doesn't go fully cybernetic because he misses the uh, he doesn't want to give up the control of one of his arms on it. And the major who goes full cybernetic uh, keeps on asking. Uh, him why he doesn't uh, he doesn't go uh, full cybernetic and it's because at that time they didn't have the controls where he can make her these paper uh, uh, okay, birds. Okay, hold on, you're going you're going real deep here. Yeah, I'm going to go real. You're going deep, too but, deep. Yeah. Anyways, that that's the story in connection between them two. So yeah. Okay, but I don't remember in the anime, like the original movie that we watched for this podcast, of her the, the story of her being a human originally and adapted. I thought it was they put like a human brain into her android body. Yeah, her her that's the only thing that they say that even in the anime, the only thing that that's fully human is her brain and that's what uh saves her from the uh car or the airplane crash but i don't th- the, does the movie go into her being an orphan all, or is that just all taken from the an- the, the the series that's taken more from the series okay and everything okay um okay cool that's the only question i have jordan is trivia worth it this week or should we just move on there's a couple of things that i thought was interesting right, man, that i jotted it. down go. on it Okay, for the Japanese dub, uh, for when this gets played in Japanese, they actually use the same voice actors as the original anime on it. Oh, that's cool. So I thought that was rather interesting. That is. Uh, Bato's car, which I thought was one of the cool designs that I thought, uh, Jared brought it up, was the uh, Lotus Esprit, heavily modified. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you can still tell by like the, the shape of it. Yeah. 
Lotus. Um, one of my favorite James Bond cars. Uh, the the uh, you they do have the whole Section Nine team there, but they also added uh, Lydra, uh, who we don't get much from her, but they just add her. But it's that one black woman that was in there where I'm like, who are you? The, like every time she pops in, it's like, who are you? Because I guess they felt like they should have added another woman in the uh, Section Nine because mm-hmm. in the series and everything, Major is the only woman in Section Nine. Cool. But I just thought that was interesting just to let everyone know. She's just here for representation or something. Yeah, that's the only thing I could think of. I don't know if that's what it was. Uh, She didn't seem to have any key parts or anything into the story to add her, so that that would be my conclusion. But yeah. Alright, well, I guess it's time for Rotten Tomatoes, y'all. Rotten Tomatoes, Rotten Tomatoes, it's the Rotten Tomatoes game. All right. Who won last time? I don't remember. I did. All right. So, Jared, what do you think this movie got in Rotten Tomatoes, and why do you think that? Um, I'm going to go with 35. Um, I want to go lower, but there are a lot of nerds in the film industry that probably like this movie 35 is so low holy crap it's it's a fucking nerd movie um yeah. no dude this movie blew uh, if i gave it my personal score it would be like 20 this sucked um <laughs> but no i think some people did like buoy the movie because they were like oh it's great to see our favorite like anime characters come to life um even though they did a shitty job with them mm-hmm. but uh yeah, thirty five. I'm I'm boosting it a little bit because I think a couple of the reviews may have been like very minimally positive, but just enough to boost a composite score. Thirty five is his number. He could be dead on. He could be above the actual number, Yorton. I don't know. Oh gosh. I hope I'm above the actual number. Yorton? What is right. getting I, why? I'm going to go with the number the ultimate answer to life, the universe and everything <laughs> is. 42. All right. I put it in white here so we couldn't see the score. And this movie got a 51 audience rating and a 43 rotten Ooh, scores. So close. Rotten tomato score. So 43. So close. <laughs> um, but that's pretty bad, even by rotten tomato standards. I, well, I, I will say, I think one of our uh, things is why we're negative to it is because we did just recently see the the, the anime, yeah, and the classic of the anime. And for me, that that does affect my viewing of this movie so much. So that's what, and I don't, yeah, that that that's my question: is how do people see this movie without the reference of the original anime? So. We'll get to that in a second. This movie had a hundred and ten million dollar budget. It made one seventy. So honestly, it, it probably lost money if you count all the marketing costs and all that stuff. Um, didn't really do too hot. Um, I will say this: we're going into recommending yes or no right now. I will recommend this movie if you haven't seen the anime. I think <laughs> if you have no knowledge of this world and stuff and you're just like, oh, Ghost in the Shell. I heard it's heard it's kind of cool looking and stuff. You're probably gonna enjoy it. 
And then if you're interested, then you can really dive into the anime and see what it's actually about. I think it's 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 a fun time unless you're a fan of the anime and then you're like, oh no, everything's wrong. So that's my suggestion. That's that's who I'd recommend it to, people who haven't seen the anime. Jared, how about you, man? Uh no. Just no at all? No, Not I mean, the there's no, there's no um, caveat to it. It's just, I don't think this is outright. I don't think this is a good movie. Okay, Jordan? Just go watch the anime. Fair it's enough. It's that simple. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> all right, fair enough. Um, not in our Hall of Fame. We don't even have to go over this. Oh, but told you I had a hot take. Here goes my oh, hot yeah. take. Uh, I am now retroactively putting the anime in my Hall of Fame. Because of this movie? After watching this movie two times in two weeks, and then I realize <laughs> how good the original is, I am going back and putting it in my Hall of Fame. <laughs> After you That's see funny. how much you butchered it, you realize, man, this means Dude, a lot more like to I me. Said, I, like I said, it was so forgettable. When I watched it last week, I had to watch it again. I mean, granted, I was at a bachelor party, so I did a ton of drinking since I watched it. But I had to watch it again. Like, I watched it again. I was like, okay, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought. And I was like, oh, no, it's actually worse this time. <laughs> That's funny. We've never had someone retroactively go back and change <laughs> um, So, yeah, it's a uh, first. First, I... Just, I had to do it. So, this movie's not in our Hall of Fame. It's time for me to pick my movies that we're going to watch. And guys, we're going to watch everything. What that means is we're going to watch every version of the thing. We're going into horror. Okay, so we're going to watch the 1951 original, the thing that came from another world i think it's called but we're really gonna watch what i'm really excited about the 80s. oh my god the 1982 version john carpenter's yes, the, the john thing. carpenter version was so good it's so good and then we're gonna watch the 2011 prequel the thing which it's okay i think i i'm excited to rewatch it but what's fun about this is i already recorded with an english buddy um my english teacher buddy a podcast episode that we're gonna upload over the original novella. It's a 70-page story called Who Goes There? And it's what these movies are based on. They're adaptations of the story. So that'll be up next next Monday. Um, and then we'll talk about the 1951 version, I think. 1953, I can't remember. Um, then we'll talk about John Carpenter's The Thing. And Jared or Yorton, whichever one, you don't have to do this, but I think it'd be fun. There's a PS2 game called The Thing, and it's a direct sequel to John Carpenter's The Thing. If you guys want to download an emulator and play it, we could talk about it for 30 minutes. I think it'd be fun. And then we're going to watch uh, The Thing in 20, the 2011 version. So Jared, you're excited about John Carpenter's The Thing, aren't you? I, I really am because it has Kurt Russell too. Holy hell. <laughs> oh, I know. It's a, it's, I, no, I am, I'm, that's in my Hall of Fame already. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm spoiling that one. I mean, we got a ways to y'all listen to it, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you that's in my Hall of Fame. I haven't seen it in probably 11 years. And I, I just remember it being up there with Alien as one of my Hall of Fame horror movies. 
So, Jordan, have you seen it? I have not seen the thing. Any any of the three. Well, I know you're not a fan of horror, but I think you'll like this for the same reason you probably like the movie Alien. It's smart. It's not jump scares and stuff like that. It's, I don't know, it's a bunch of scientists trying to figure out which one of them is a monster. So that's pretty cool. All right, y'all. Um, so start watching The Thing. That's my recommendation, everybody. Get on it. Until next time, we will see you guys later. Bye.